audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. I think for some Christians, when they share their faith, they just want to win the argument. Yeah, I blew them out of the water. What's our focus when we share our faith? Pastor Greg Laurie says there's a higher purpose than proving we're right. The objective is not to win the argument. The objective is to win the soul. The objective is to build a bridge, not burn a bridge. If you want to win some, you must be winsome. In other words, be nice. This is the day when the lost are found. someone about our faith, we can point out that we used to think just like them, and then something changed. But no one really likes to be told they're wrong. So how do we point out a different way without wearing out our welcome? Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to learn from one of the Bible's great heroes of the faith. We'll see that his witness echoes through the corridors of time and gives inspiration to walk with God and back our witness with our words. brand new series that we're calling World Changers. And the title of this message is The World Changer That Was Out of This World, Part Two. Now, world changers do not march lockstep with current culture. World changers are people that follow Christ and affect their surroundings more than their surroundings affect them. World changers, as I pointed out before, are thermostats, not thermometers. A thermometer tells you what the temperature is. A thermostat controls the temperature. A world changer is that kind of a person. They think for themselves, world changers are true rebels. You know, people say today, oh, he's a rebel. He, he drinks and he smokes and, and he, you know, they, they live a sexually free life. They're a rebel. That's not a rebel. In today's culture, that's a conformist, okay? Now you just tell me someone, that person reads the Bible, does what God tells them to do, and follows Jesus. That's a rebel in today's culture. That's what a world changer is. They're a real rebel. You don't even have to wear a leather jacket either or sunglasses, but you can if you like. So a world changer. They control the temperature. They set the pace. They, well, they change the world. And Hebrews 11 is a collection of world changers. Now, remember, we're learning about Enoch. We've already identified two principles about why he was a world changer. Principle number one to review, he walked with God. Remember, we looked at Amos 3.3 that says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And I pointed out to you that uh, to be agreed means to be in harmony with, to be in sync with. Number two, we discovered that Enoch was well-pleasing to God because Hebrews 11.5 says he had this testimony that he pleased God. So this is something we all should desire to do in our life. Jesus said, I always do the things that please the Father. So we wanna live lives that honor and please God. Now we come to point three, uh, about Enoch, and it really connects to point two. Number three, Enoch was a witness for God. 
That's what we're going to focus on here. He was a witness for God. Hebrews 11.5. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. He had this testimony. Every Christian has a testimony. Everybody has a story to tell. You have a testimony and people are watching you. Now here's the question. Do you have a good or a bad testimony? And by that I don't mean dramatic or undramatic. You know, someone asked me the other day, if a person's testimony is that they never had any major problems in life, still valid. In other words, if someone was a drug addict or if they served time in prison or if they lived some notorious life and they came to Christ, we say, now that's a great testimony. But maybe there's someone else who was relatively moral and they tried to play by the rules, but they discovered that they needed God. They realized they were a sinner and they needed a savior. Listen, both testimonies are valid because there's a lot of different kinds of people out there in the world. Not everyone relates to a criminal. Not everyone relates to a former drug addict or alcoholic. Some people might relate to someone who was more moral and maybe even attended church. But here's your testimony in a nutshell. You once were lost and now you're found. You were blind, but now you see. You once were headed to hell, now you're going to heaven. That's your testimony, and it's a good one. So use your testimony as a bridge to share your faith. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. One of the greatest compliments that can be paid to a Christian is people will observe you, and they will come to you and say, I've been watching you, and I want to know why you are the way that you are. I've noticed your joy. I've noticed your sense of purpose. I've noticed how hard you work. I've noticed how you're such a nice person. You're an honest person. Why are you this way? Here's the wrong answer. Well, my parents just raised me to, you know, no, don't, don't. I mean, that's nice. Thank you for mentioning your parents. But they'll say, well, let me tell you, it's because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Remember the story of Paul and Silas who were thrown into a jail and for preaching the gospel and we read at midnight they began to sing praises to God which I don't think anyone had ever heard in that jail. And the guy who had whipped them uh, before he put them in chains was listening. An earthquake came. Uh, the jail effectively fell apart. The jailer thought he was going to die. He even pulled his sword out because he knew if he was uh, found responsible for losing prisoners, he would be executed. So he's going to kill himself. And Paul stops him and says, don't kill yourself. We're all here still. Next thing the jailer says is, sirs, what must I do to be saved? See, they earned the right to share the gospel with them by the life that they lived. And we can do the same. And that's when you tell them and share what God has done for you. And Enoch was someone who spoke out for his faith. Jude 1 verses 14 to 15 says this about Enoch. He lived in the seventh generation after Adam and he prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with thousands of his saints to execute judgment on the world. He'll convict every person of the ungodly things they have done and all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So he was a fearless proclaimer of God's truth. So yes, live it. Yes, be an example. But please don't say, I don't believe that I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm just trying to be a good example. Good examples don't bring people to Christ. Good examples open the door to articulate your faith so you can bring people to Christ. 
Good examples are what we need to be so we will have that opportunity to verbally articulate our faith because 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. That's very important. Because this phrase, give an answer, is from the Greek word apologia. We get our English word apologetic from it. So it's sort of like giving a defense in a court of law. But when you think of that, don't think of yourself as a prosecuting attorney. You're a witness. You're not there to prosecute or embarrass or to humiliate your listener. You're there to be a witness to them. Notice it says that we're to do this with gentleness and respect. I think for some Christians when they share their faith, they just want to win the argument. Yeah, I blew them out of the water. Exposed their lame questions showed them what a loser they are. Yeah, well you didn't do anything effectively there because the objective is not to win the argument. The objective is to win the soul. The objective is to build a bridge, not burn a bridge. If you want to win some, you must be winsome. In other words, be nice. You know, I, I see some Christians sharing their faith and they just seem angry the way that they're doing it, or, or mechanical, or robotic in the way that they do it. Can you just stop that and just be half normal, and be friendly, and engage a person in a conversation, and tell them about Jesus? You never know when opportunities will come. I had a guy bring water to our house. We get bottled water, and so he came into my garage, and we have a, two rabbits there, and they just had bunnies, and so there's the bunnies there and he saw them and he says, Jesus, look at all these bunnies. And then he's putting the water and he said something, oh Jesus, he said like Jesus three times. And you know, I'm thinking, what are you saying Jesus for? You know, so I was a little irritated. They thought, no, that's a good opportunity to talk to him. So I said, you know what? I heard you talking a lot about Jesus today. <laughs> he looked shocked. Yeah, I heard you say Jesus three times. You obviously have a great interest in Jesus, don't you? See, you know, there's always a way to build a bridge with a person. And so, try that. Thanks for joining us today. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, the Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, USA. And he's talking about the privilege of sharing our faith, considering the example of Enoch in his series, World Changes. Let's continue. I know, I know, when I talk about this, uh, you think, oh, I'm gonna tell you a little secret. There's two subjects. When I talk about them, it gets real quiet. <laughs> you wanna know what they are? Evangelism and giving. Quiet like it is right now. <laughs> Why is that? Why is it when we bring up the subject of sharing our faith or giving of our finances, it gets quiet. Reminds me of the story of a preacher who was talking to his congregation. They had one of those congregations that gave him constant feedback. And uh, he said to the folks, Church, we're just like that crippled man and we need to learn how to walk. And the people yelled back, Let us walk, preacher. Let us walk. And he said, In church, we need to get to the next level. And we need to, like Elijah on Mount Carmel, learn how to run. They said, Let us run, preacher. Let us run. Then he said, In fact, we need to mount up with wings like eagles and we need to fly. They said, Preacher, let us fly. Let us fly. And then he said, But if the church is going to fly, it's going to take money. 
it got kind of quiet. <laughs> and the people said back more quietly, let us walk, preacher, let us walk. <laughs> this is interesting to me. Why are these subjects awkward? I think they're awkward because, well, maybe we're not doing it. I mean, I think if you're sharing your faith all the time and you hear a message about evangelism, your response is, well, amen. And if you're giving faithfully of your finances and you hear about giving, you say, well, of course, I know that. That's such a blessing. And if there's a discomfort, is that because those are two areas of your life that you're struggling with? I mean, here's what's so strange and what we don't get about giving in particular is God promises to bless us when we do it. There's such a specific promise about tithing in the Bible in Malachi 3.10 where God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there'll be enough food in my temple. God says, listen, if you do this, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Then God says this, and this is amazing to me. He says, put me to the test. Just try it. Try me on this thing. And you say, well, what does it mean to tithe? It's not rocket science. Tithe means a tenth. It means you take your income and you give a tenth of it to the Lord. Uh, grosser net. Who cares? Just whatever. Just start somewhere. Just know this. Everything you have belongs to God. It doesn't belong to you. And that includes you. <laughs> but I think sometimes we think, well, well, that's true of some things. But this money, this is mine. And I'll give God, you know, what I don't really want. You know. And here's the problem. We need to get God's money out of our house back into His house so we can get on with what God has called us to do. Now whenever you raise the topic of tithing, it's almost over. That's in the Old Testament. I'm a New Testament Christian. Okay, okay. You're a New Testament. Yeah, I don't live in the Old Testament. That's Old Testament you quoted. Malachi, I know that. Very good. I'm a New Testament Christian. Okay, how much do you give? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Newsflash, you're not a New Testament Christian or an Old Testament Christian. You're a disobedient Christian. See, because tithing is where you start. The Bible talks about bringing your tithes and offerings to the Lord. In fact, every New Testament example of giving goes beyond what the Old Testament said. For instance, Jesus said, you've heard that it's been said, don't kill, but I say to you, don't even have hatred toward your brother. You've heard that it has been said, Old Testament, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, if you look in a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So the point is, the New Testament never falls short of the standard of the Old Testament. It actually goes beyond it. So really it comes down to this. We start there and we move forward, yet studies indicate that two to three percent of Christians give of their income regularly to the Lord. And yet the Bible tells us we're supposed to do this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16.1, Paul says, on the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a portion of the money you've earned. Each one of you. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, remember a farmer who plants only a few seeds to get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide how much to give for God loves a cheerful giver. So you might say, well, what if I can't give cheerfully? Then ask God to change your heart because you should give cheerfully, because it is a joy. And God wants to bless you when you do it. And I think one of the reasons that 
we struggle with this is because the devil attacks us in this area. It's sort of the last little citadel of our life that we haven't given over. I think it was Martin Luther who said there are three conversions necessary for the Christian. The conversion of the mind, the conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the wallet. And it hasn't been converted yet. We're holding it back and we're missing out on a blessing. So the devil wants to keep us from being blessed in this way. And number two, that comes back to evangelism again. He doesn't want us to share our faith. Why? Well, talk about a direct threat to his kingdom. Do you think he wants you to go out and be pulling people out of the flames of hell and having them change your eternal address? He'll do everything he can to keep you from sharing your faith. So I don't know about you, but I want to redouble my efforts to do what the devil doesn't want me to do. So go there. Start there. And we know, of course, the stats tell us a Barna poll recently came out. Uh, people were asked, Christians were asked, I might add, if they felt they have a responsibility to share their faith with others. 73% said yes, but then 52% said they never did. What? So are you responsible to share your faith? Uh, I don't know, you know, 24%, 25% said no. What do you mean no? It's commanded in scripture. Of course you're supposed to, but only half of us do this, and stats all us tell us 90% of us have never led another person to Christ. And I'll tell you what, you can lead people to Christ. You can do it. It's just that we haven't taken that step. Listen, every Christian should be able to share their faith in three minutes or less. If I had the luxury of time, I would call on a few of you and give you an opportunity. How many of you feel you could share your faith, you could share the gospel in three minutes or less? Raise your hand. That's not all of you. But let me tell you, you can do it. Let's just say you were on a plane and you found out the plane was going down because all the engines were out and you had three minutes to talk to your seatmate or the rest of the occupants on the plane, do you think you could actually give them the gospel at that period of time? I guarantee you could do it. You just get to the essential message and if we would do that more, I believe that we could be leading more people to Christ because there's great joy in giving. There's great joy in sharing your finances. So make a change in those two areas of your life if you need to. And next time I bring the topic up, I want to hear you say, let us fly, preacher. Let us fly. I don't want any discomfort. Pastor Greg Laurie with a couple of uncomfortable topics today on A New Beginning. The next time we'll have more from the example of Enoch, one of the Bible's great world changers, as we continue the world changer who was out of this world right here on A New Beginning. copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called The World Changer Who Was Out of This World. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 